I have a 12-year-old and, you know, I have a seven-year-old, six, four, one-and-a-half-year-old. My one-and-a-half-year-old, I can do all the things I need to to keep him safe. I can put up the baby gates and I can protect him. Can't do that for my 12-year-old in the same way. I think a lot of adults are seeing that young people coming into of age are struggling with anxiety and stress and depression, and it's overwhelming, highest rates of suicide that we've ever seen. And if we're not willing to do this right now because it's too divisive or I might get attacked personally, then I am failing my own kids and everybody else's. From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. That's Amy Kennedy, a mother of five who spent 14 years as a teacher before becoming a full-time advocate for improving mental health in America's schools. Now she's running for Congress in one of 2020's most competitive races, facing off against Jeff Van Drew, a swing district Democrat turned Republican whose re-election campaign has attracted the vocal support of President Donald Trump. If it seems like this is an uphill battle for a first-time candidate, it is. But Amy isn't just some political rookie. She's a member of one of America's most famous political dynasties. The Kennedy family is great. I am so blessed to have married into a family that really cares. We've been able to be witness to so many areas where they've made positive change and yet also be together in the summer and have fun and go sailing and play games in the yard with the kids. And I will take whatever else comes with that because it's really been a blessing. We talked about how her husband, former Congressman Patrick Kennedy, has adjusted to life as a political spouse why she thinks we need to reconsider the way we think and talk about mental health, and what she's learned during her years as an educator. I was very focused on being a really good teacher, but a lot of that focus was on curriculum and preparing the kids to be academically successful. And that left a big gap because there's many kids who aren't in the position to focus on that when they have so many other challenges. And now, here's my conversation with Amy Kennedy. So let's talk about the campaign. You have never run for office before. You haven't really worked in politics. Your background is as a school teacher, and yet you are now running to oust an incumbent congressman in one of the most closely watched races in the country. Why did you decide to do this? Uh, (laughs) You know, I really did not intend to have a career in politics or to look to get into this race in particular. I was standing in my kitchen, obviously, uh, with... Last name Kennedy, we follow politics very closely, and I grew up around it. My dad was a local uh, city councilman and freeholder, which is something we have in New Jersey. And so we followed along closely when we watched on TV, not Jeff Andrews' impeachment vote, but his pledge of undying support to the president, the handshaking, the Oval Office. It was gut churning, you know. And it felt like uh, as a school teacher, we have in the classroom teachable moments. They are these uh, unplanned 
moments, opportunities that are a period of reflection, and you can either seize that or it passes by if you don't. And it really felt like this was the time for that. I have five young children. I would love to wait to do something like this and hope that they could be grown, but it felt like if now wasn't the time, when would be? So let's give a little bit of context here. The district uh, where you're running is now represented by Jeff Andrew, who was elected as a Democrat in 2018. You supported him, though, right? Sure. (laughs) And then, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Andrew decided to become a Republican, Mm -hmm. pledging his undying support of Trump. That was clearly the tipping point for you. But you didn't have to run for House. I mean, you could have supported somebody else aggressively. You could have fundraised. Why did you decide, you know, put me in coach. This is my moment. That's right. Yeah. So I'm fourth generation from South Jersey. I have long watched the area where I grew up, where I love, really struggle. My great-grandparents owned businesses in Atlantic City, talked about it so fondly of the diving horse girls coming in for sticky buns and kind of this memory of what our area has always been. And so for a long time, I felt a longing for that myself and and what I thought the potential there was. But, you know, why get involved now? Really seeing him switch parties and knowing that this suddenly was going to be not just a race against Jeff Andrew, but against Donald Trump. Felt like I had a unique opportunity to marry both my last name with my local roots to that area to bring a really strong presence to this race and hopefully be able to counter some of the attention that it would receive. Yes, let's talk about that. Uh, yeah. There's obviously a whole ethos of the family you married into, the Kennedys. Your husband, Patrick, was a congressman for 16 years. Uh, of course, he's the son of Ted Kennedy. How has your husband been adjusted to being the uh, political spouse? It's yes, a little different. Definitely. When Patrick left Congress, he became one of the nation's leading advocates for mental health. And he is so focused on that and so passionate about mental health and substance use disorder. And we started a family. We had five children. And that really is what he's been looking for for his life, (laughs) you know, the purpose and that role as a parent. So he's very happy to be on the other side now. He's excited to help me uh, with pulling together the infrastructure that I need for such a big campaign, Mm -hmm. but also glad to be in the background. Did he give you any advice? Oh, I, you know, just listening to people, (laughs) really, he's got fantastic instincts, political instincts, but anybody that does know him knows that, um, I was in a meeting earlier today, they said, Patrick was always so accessible. Mm And just being able to be there, listen to people, hear what they're asking of you and making time because, uh, you know, it's such a fast pace during this campaign. But I don't want people to feel like I am not there to hear their concerns. So, as you said, he left this very public life. I think kind of what he described at the time is kind of the toxicity that Washington can bring to to, to your life. Uh, Did he have any reservations about returning to public life? I think he is pretty content. He's uh, got 10 years in recovery, which really has made all the difference. We both are uh, very keen on making that the most important priority of each day. So while this is very important, we know that there's no success in our life if he's not healthy, if I'm not healthy, if our children are not healthy, and that's our priority. So his recovery being a paramount uh, 
importance to us has made the rest of it possible. So not so many reservations because I think we're a team in many ways. So you spoke that obviously this is going to be one of the biggest races um, that we're going to be watching, but that certainly is on the radar of the president. Yes. Are you concerned at all about being a target of his, uh, th- that he's going to kind of come after you personally? I mean, he clearly has no um, issue going after people it. on that. Yeah. No, I expect it. Yeah. I have no illusions about how dirty this could get. And I know that we as a family are subject to goodwill that we are so appreciative for and also attacks that may be unwarranted. And that's just part of this. And I'm ready. It's so interesting because so many, we talked to so many women who are thinking about running, have run and, and won or failed. But the, the personal attacks is often one of the hurdles for mm-hmm. women. So it sounds like you kind of have the mindset like, I'm just going to do this. That's right. <laughs> That's it. You know, the personal attacks. I have a very close family. So my parents live right nearby, my brothers. And growing up in the same place that I currently live, I've got the people that know me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you have that, other strangers' attacks really are less meaningful because I've got such a strong network that really know me, and that's whose opinions matter to me. So let's take a step back. We're going to talk more about your house race. But first, you grew up in New Jersey. Tell us what your parents did. Both my parents were public school teachers, so grew up in Atlantic County. I went to the school where my mom taught for 36 years, and my dad taught in the next town over for another 40 years. My dad was in education as a special education teacher. My mom taught third grade, and then I went into teaching. Did you always know you were going to be a teacher? No. No. <laughs> no, you try to do the opposite of whatever your parents have done, I think. You know, I so I went to college and I thought, oh, well, I'll do I'm going to take math courses and I'm going to do something totally different. And I went in undecided. I took a survey my freshman year and it was, you know, 300 questions or something. And the results were you'd be a great teacher. <laughs> and I, so I thought, okay, why am I fighting this? I took a uh, child psychology class and it just felt natural. It just seemed like common sense to me, but that's because that was always the dinnertime conversation. If you could go back, is there anything you would tell young Amy that she didn't know when she was starting out as a teacher? Oh, absolutely. I would love to say that I was a fantastic teacher, but the truth is that Much of what I've learned about being important in the classroom has come in my study of mental health since leaving the classroom. And I feel like if I had been better prepared to understand the challenges that kids were coming into the school with, the adverse childhood experiences, the trauma, the impact of poverty, that I would have been tremendously more effective. I would have been much more empathetic. I was very focused on being a really good teacher, but a lot of that focus was on curriculum and having preparing the kids to be academically successful. And that left a big gap because there's many kids who aren't in the position to focus on that when they have so many other challenges. Let's talk a little bit more about mental health. Was that a topic you were always knew you wanted to be active? It sounds like you didn't. How did you come to that? No. Yeah. So I... I taught and I was often frustrated. There's a high rate of teacher burnout. I was frustrated as a teacher because there were kids, you know, that you just, you wanted to personally be able to help. You know, you can't 
take everybody home. Right. Uh, you know that there's kids who have whole families that are struggling. And how can you help that situation when there aren't resources in the building? So it was a frustrating thing, but I didn't really put my finger on what that might be or what it could look like, what the policies and things mm-hmm. would be. There's a, a doctor up at Mass General who runs a program called Think Kids, and I heard him speak, and he talks about kids do well if they can do well, and that every person wants to be successful. So if they're not successful, then why aren't they successful? What's the underlying issue there? And that really started to change my thinking about it. So I began to consider that all of these things like Flexibility, frustration tolerance, problem solving were issues that we weren't focused on as teachers. Instead, we were looking at they were often mislabeled as bad. Right. Mental health is becoming a bit less taboo in Mm -hmm. in public discussion, but it's still pretty taboo in particularly the political world. People kind of being able to talking about willing to talk about their own struggles or struggles that they see in their family. Why do you think that is? Well, thank you for talking about it. I think that's really important that we're having this conversation today. You know, it's still considered a moral failing. And we have not invested in the brain research that we know needs to happen for people to understand what's really going on behind all of the behaviors we see. And when we have the president diagnosing headaches instead of PTS or TBI, That is so destructive to really getting this out there that these are brain injuries, that people have real health challenges. This is health care. It's not a moral failing. So I think as we're able to dispel that and invest in more brain research, we will quickly find that attitudes change. But we're seeing it already with young people who know better. Will this be what you consider kind of your signature issue if you are elected to office? Well, it is, for me, going to be the very first major policy rollout we're doing next week. So it's going to be the underpinning of what I'm hoping to do as it relates to education, prevention, early intervention. I'd like to see a lot of that. My district uh, has very high rates of substance use disorder and adverse childhood experiences. So we're seeing where it's important to the people where I live. And of course, there's many other issues, corruption in politics, lots of things facing our district that are challenges and our our whole country. Opportunities, Yeah, whole country. But but yeah, this is is important to me personally. Looking at the national political scene right now, Mm -hmm. gridlock, partisanship, Mm -hmm. so many other issues. What makes you think you'd like to be in Congress? <laughs> well, you know, on back to this particular issue of mental health, uh, it affects one in five. So it is something that we all need to care about and could move forward, particularly while we're talking about health care. And why I want to be involved right now, I have a 12-year-old. And, you know, I have a seven-year-old, six, four, one-and-a-half-year-old, My one-and-a-half-year-old, I can do all the things I need to to keep him safe. I can put up the baby gates, and I can protect him. Can't do that for my 12-year-old in the same way. As she's getting ready to be part of the conversation on social media, she understands the narrative in our country. It felt like the right time to look for opportunities to make change because I'm scared for her. 
it's it's really upsetting. I think a lot of adults are seeing that young people coming into of age are struggling with anxiety and stress and depression, and it's overwhelming, highest rates of suicide that we've ever seen. And if we're not willing to do this right now because it's too divisive or I might get attacked personally, then I am failing my own kids and everybody else's. People are accustomed to knowing about the Kennedys. Uh, You spoke a little bit about kind of the positives that can come with that, I'm sure, Sure. in terms of fundraising and support and just respect nationwide uh, among Democrats. But can you talk about navigating that? I was recently talking to Catherine Murdoch and kind of the the concept of navigating dealing with a family name and not being born into it, not kind of growing up with that potentially, you know, the the shield that often people do when they grow up in in the public eye. Yeah. Listen... the Kennedy family is great. I I really can't I really can't say anything more than I am so blessed to have them as relatives and family now and have married into a family that really cares. I've been absolutely influenced by their passion in so many areas, whether it's uh, Maria doing Alzheimer's work or my brother-in-law with ADA, you know, uh, Special Olympics. We've been able to be witness to so many areas where they've made positive change and yet also be together in the summer and have fun and go sailing and play games in the yard with the kids. And I will take whatever else comes with that because it's really been a blessing. I want to talk a little bit more about politics before we wrap up here. The governor, Murphy, has been in the news facing accusations of a toxic work environment on his 2017 campaign. Two of his aides were just fired uh, from the Milwaukee House Committee. Are you concerned about the pattern with the governor? How well do you know him? We do know him, and I'm following it closely. I personally have had a good relationship with him and have enjoyed, you know, being with him whenever, obviously, it's an Irish family, another Irish family uh, in New Jersey is fantastic. But, um, you know, I'm going to keep watching the situation as it unfolds. Another big name in New Jersey politics is George Norcross, uh, carries a lot of say in uh South Jersey in particular, he was one of the first people who called on Jeff Andrew to run after uh, the Republican incumbent announced he was retiring. Do you think he's a good force for politics in the district? Are you hoping that he's going to support you? He is not going to support me. And I think that, you know, to the extent that there's been unity in the party in the past, that's been very effective. I think that there is uh, some wariness around his endorsements because of Jeff Andrew. So the idea that this is how we got Jeff and that another candidate would be appointed in the same way has really led a lot of progressive groups in our state to question that and say, where is the voice of the people really in this process? And how do we get more engaged so that the nominee represents uh, the will of the people? And bringing that to the forefront is part of the voter education that really has to happen throughout New Jersey. We've got a very convoluted ballot system there. And it will take a lot to educate everyone that there's another way and that there could be a more open and transparent process. So let's fast forward. It's January 2021. Congresswoman Amy Kennedy is being sworn in. How is the House different with you in it? 
I feel really confident that the connections that I've already been able to establish will be able to help move forward some of these issues that we care so deeply about. I think it's really important to bring a teacher's perspective to the House. I'd love to see more teachers running and the concern that we have for prevention really will resonate because teachers know that starting early will make a difference and that when we wait too long to intervene, whether it's in climate change or in mental health or in a more equitable education system, that all of those things early can cost less and can have better results. So I hope to bring that to the Congress. And if President Trump is in the office uh, for a second term, is there anything you think you could work on with him? Well, you know, I'd like to see, obviously, with the opioid crisis, it really has not uh, slowed down. And I know that that was an issue for concern um, for him. And I'd like to be able to keep moving that ball forward, even though we've seen increased funding, what that really looks like when we consider, you know, this is a chronic condition. This is a lifelong uh, addiction doesn't go away, and we need to be able to provide wraparound services for people. And I think that's something that many Republicans are also on board with, including the president. All right. Well, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you. Women Rule is produced by Zach Stanton. Irina Gucci is the executive producer of Political Audio. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at apalmerdc. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 66866. 